Moses writes concerning the righteous that comes from the law, that the person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring down Christ. And who will descend into the abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one who believes with the heart, and so is justified. And one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have not never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all have obeyed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the word of Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Does anyone actually use a fork to comb their hair? Any, any, anyone? Doug Widmar this morning, you, you all know Doug, he has no hair, and he says he uses it all the time, so I thought that was, thought that was funny. You look pretty silly if you were to use a, a fork. And in the movie, Ariel does look pretty silly when she starts to comb her hair at the dinner table in front of her prince, Eric, and his father. Looks really silly, and she feels really silly. Our church is filled with dingle hoppers. How do we teach the faith to people like Ariel, to someone who has never grown up in our culture, in our religion, in our church? How do we teach the faith? In the early church, when congregations were very small and very intimate, the process of teaching the faith was intense. For 40 days leading up to Easter, new converts would spend their days doing intense study and faith formation. They would learn all the basics... And then on the night before Easter, they will be baptized while they're surrounded by the members of the church, the new family in Christ. After they were baptized, they were given milk mixed with honey to kind of simulate breast milk to remind the the new converts, the newly baptized, they still have lots to learn, that they are still children. This process worked, and it worked well for 300 years. It worked well because the church was small, 20 30 people at the most, maybe. Then Constantine converted the entire empire to Christianity. Now these small congregations need to come out of, the, out of the shadows and instruct thousands of people on the basis of Christianity. They no longer can meet one-on-one with new members because there were too many of them. So the church developed new strategies and new ways to teach the faith to outsiders. That's how we got Holy Week. Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday were were a way to instruct new converts and old converts in the story of Jesus, where you would meet Jesus in the upper room, and the next night you would meet Jesus at the the cross. 
and the next night he would join the church in vigil, waiting to see what would happen. Catechisms were written many hundreds of years later. Luther wasn't the only one who wrote a catechism. I know I'm a little biased. I do think his is the best. But catechisms were written as a way to teach the faith to children and to adults alike. Sunday school was created not that all that long ago, early 1900s. Our practices for educating Christians continue to evolve, which is good. And we see that with some of our new programs, with Sunday on Monday, as a way of meeting busy, the needs of families with very busy schedules. But there are less people in our world today who have a basic understanding of our faith, of Christianity. Christian language and Christian practices are no longer part of our cultural norm. Case in point, I was getting my hair cut a few years ago, not from Jason. This is while I was still in um, Gettysburg. It was, uh, um, I was getting my hair cut. I was wearing my collar that day, which you all know, when you see this collar, you all know that that person is a pastor or a priest. He, works in the, he or she works in the ministry. And I sat in the chair, and the, the nice young woman put the, the apron around me, and she starts talking to me. She didn't realize I was a pastor. She had, not, she had not seen someone wear a collar, and if she did see someone wear this collar, she had no idea what it meant. She asked me if I, if I had to work that weekend, and I almost laughed and said, it's, according to most people, it's the only day I ever work. <laughs> but but then, I, then I realized that she was actually being serious. She had no idea that I was a pastor or even what a pastor did. I was wearing a dinglehopper. And she's not the only one. Anytime I read an article about a church written by a journalist, I can tell that journalist goes to church just by the way he or she might describe something. That article that was written about me in the Panhandle magazine, you can tell she it had some she said she quoted me saying some really random things and either I said them wrong or she said them or she misheard them. Just the other day, there was an uh, article published in the Baltimore Sun about a Lutheran congregation that recently invited an Episcopal congregation to join them in ministry. And the, uh, the journalist wrote, the churches, the churches of Holy Apostles and St. Stephen at 901 Country, Courtney Road in Arbutus will have a service from the Book of Common Prayer at 8 a.m. Sundays, followed by a liturgical service at 10 a.m. on Sundays. That absolutely makes no sense, really. It describes nothing. Now, I know what was trying to be said, and, and maybe you can probably figure out, too, what the reporter was trying to say. Maybe the mis reporter heard it wrong, or maybe the pastor said it in a way that the reporter had no idea what our language was. See, we, we church people, we have our own language for things, and, and that is a little bit of a mystery to the outside world. What should have been said was that at 8 a.m. the congregation will, get, will hold right one, which is kind of like our setting one, from the Book of Common Prayer as a way of honoring their Episcopal heritage. And at 10 a.m. it will be a hybrid Lutheran Episcopal service, Lutheran Episcopal liturgy. You know, how we talk about ourselves doesn't always make sense to an outsider, and we need to be careful about our language. But at the same time, we, we don't want to dumb down our language so that what we say doesn't have any meaning. And it loses all substance. St. Paul writes, But how are they to call on, on one in whom they have not yet believed? And how are they to believe in one 
of whom they had never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? How do you teach people about being a Christian when they have never been in a church? When they have never been a part of a community quite like ours? When they have never been in a community like ours which does strange things? That has its own hand signals? You know, making the sign of the cross. That stands up and sits down more times than most gym classes. <laughs> who wears funky clothing on, on Sunday mornings and eats the strangest snack during the middle of worship. How do, how do we teach outsiders about what we do? I think for starters, we, we don't do what Prince Charming's family did to Ariel. We don't stare at outsiders when they come in and they don't understand what we're doing or if they misuse some of our, our language, some of our symbolism. We don't look at them with bugged out eyes like, what are you doing? The first step in teaching the faith is mirroring it to others. People will come into our doors and realize that we're doing something different. And that's going to be intimidating. And there are some churches out there that, that resemble more of a concert. And you know what? That's fine. And if people are getting fed and renewed and refreshed, it's great. But we have something to offer here too. You know, Universal Studios is right around the corner from Disney. They offer a completely different experience from Disney World. But Disney did not compromise their mission by conforming and doing to exactly what Universal was doing. They continued to do their own thing, and they continued to do it well. Our liturgical practices are rooted in 2,000 years of Christian history. These are not traditions that I think should be thrown away for the sake of getting more people in the pews. Rather, we have something to offer, and we need to stop hiding behind our practices. We need to show the world that what we do here in worship is wholly acceptable and pleasing to God. I think as Christianity continues to change and evolve, with less people familiar with our customs and our language, the best tool in our wheelhouse is to do exactly what the early church did, to build one-on-one relationships. One-on-one mentoring is how the early church operated. Why can't we do that today? There are a lot of people out there who have no idea what we do and why we do it. And many have said we just need to get rid of these old customs. But I'm not there yet. I don't think we are there yet. Maybe we need to get rid of some. But we do have something to offer. You have something to offer. But it's going to take some work to, make, to turn our dingle hoppers into meaningful, holy actions. But you all can do it. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. My wife and I are so grateful for all of you for teaching my son how to worship. Because I can't do it and neither can Diane. We're a little busy. You all sit patiently with him week after week and make sure he can worship. You show him how a hymnal works. You sing to him. So many of you have commented that he is so good in worship. The reason he is good is because of you all. He is good because he has been to church almost every single week since the day he was born. He is good because he has great mentors like you all. You bring him the good news, and blessed are your feet, blessed are your hands, blessed is your work. Why can't we do this kind of work to everyone who comes to our doors? And I'm not saying that, you know, we should talk to new visitors like we would talk to Thomas. There, there, there is some different expectations there, but we can do this kind of mentoring. You all have it in you to do this vital and holy work. 
You do it for Thomas all the time. You know how to teach the faith to a generation of people who have never seen or heard of, liturgi of our liturgical behavior. And maybe I'm wrong. In 1520 years, liturgy as we know will come to an end. But what if I'm right? What if I'm right about this liturgy thing? We have good news to share. And, and liturgy does not have to be a dingle hopper. We can call a thing what it is. What we do here in worship is rooted deep in our past with a message of hope for the people of today and a sure foundation for those of future generations still to come. Think of how many lives can be radically changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. Think how many of our lives in our towns can be changed if they just knew that hope was still alive and that they could find Jesus in this place. You got the skills, my brothers and sisters. Do you have the willpower? Blessed are your feet, messengers of God. Blessed are you for teaching the faith to a new generation of followers of Jesus Christ. Don't count yourselves short. Don't count our message short. We have something to offer to this community and this world. Blessed are your hands. Blessed are your feet, your compassion, and all those silly little dingle hoppers that we do.